Welcome to the Treble Podcast. I'm your host, David Gertler. Treble is a business networking platform that helps professionals manage, grow, and most importantly, leverage their network for new business and career opportunities. Our podcast highlights business professionals and their stories. Join us to hear how some amazing people navigated or created their own career path and share business insights with us. Hey, Paul, thanks for making time today. Hey, David, thanks for having me. So um, as a guest on our, our, our um, interview uh, about breaking in, uh, I'll start, uh, I know where you went to college. Normally I would start with where you went to school, but I know you went to RPI. So I'm going to ask you a slightly different question, which is why did you go to RPI and what did you study? Sure. Well, first of all, I love your theme breaking in. Um, when I was uh, in high school, I decided that I really wanted to get into computer science and data structures. Um, so back in those days, you didn't apply to 100 schools like you do now. So I sort of had a low, medium, and high. And RPI was my high school because I saw them um, on PBS talking about their NASA rover and their NASA projects. And George Lowe, who I'd been always been an admirer of, admirer of was the president of RPI. Um, and he had led them NASA missions um, to Mars and to the moon and other things. So all those connections just really enthralled me. So RPI was my top school choice. And once I got in, I said, I've got to find a way to pay for this and um, <laughs> made through the years. And what'd you study? What was your degree? Um, my degree was computer science. Uh, I'm a bit of a of a person that loves everything. So each time I took a course, I said, oh, I want a minor in that. So I ended up with a minor in psychology and a minor in communications and an almost minor in philosophy. I was one course short. So uh, I really loved those things. And um, during the course of my time at RPI, I started to become aware of the big hype building up around artificial intelligence and expert systems. Uh, a guy named Marvin Minsky at MIT was uh, very big in the press about that. Um, so that became one of my personal focuses. RPI didn't have any coursework on it, but I read up, I did projects of my own and other things because it was just uh, something I was starting to fall in love with. Oh, so it was mid-80s and you just had that outside spur. And what did you do when you graduated? Did you pursue that or what was your first job? Well, um, long before I graduated, the RPI had a co-op program. Um, so I guess about my sophomore year, I went through their normal co-op process, um, interviewed with a number of places and got sort of the two plum offers, IBM and uh, FMC, which was a food processing company at the time that did a lot of automation. Uh, and at the last minute, I just had a crisis of conscience and said, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to go with standard computer science programming ATM machines the rest of my life. So I turned everything down signed up for another semester of school at RPI, and then started writing letters to every startup AI company I could find. Uh, and then the following semester, I had a number of offers from those companies. And I had a housemate at RPI uh, who said, you know, my dad does something or other about artificial intelligence. Why don't you ask him about these companies to help you decide which ones you like? So after talking with him for a while, he gave me his advice and said, hey, why don't you come down and interview with us too, because we're doing interesting stuff. And uh, that ended up where I was. He was a uh, one of the pioneers in the 1960s in what was unpopular about AI, which was machine learning. The big area was expert systems. 
and he had just sold his company and was starting a small boutique firm to compete with the aerospace companies for um, for Air Force contracts. So I ended up working with him in a three-person company, um, going against the 10,000-person companies uh, for research contracts and uh, doing flight control systems, diagnostics, and applying AI. And the funny thing about it is um, he was one of the pioneers of machine learning. I came into their little group as the expert systems guy. So I was the expert in what we were trying to shoot down. And uh, in the process of that, I became in love with machine learning. And that's sort of been one of the foundations of my career since then. That's really cool. So it's actually kind of ballsy, if I can say that, right? So <laughs> you you send out letters to a bunch of companies unsolicited. You get a couple of nibbles and people are interested in you and you reject them. You reject the co-ops <laughs> and, and then you go with this three-person startup. Um, that must have been really exciting to be in the ground floor. Yeah, I actually had two cycles of... Um, of sort of soul searching and and thinking. First, I turned down the IBM and FMC, and then I turned down all these, you know, in the news AI companies. So that's but, that's really cool, right? Explain to me how you know you're mid twenties, right? Early twenties at this time. What went through your head? I mean, the the conservative path is to go with an IBM or a big company or whatever. How did you? How did you? What were the factors that you were considering at that point? Well, I really became enamored with the technology. I wanted to move technology forward, change the world, so to speak. And um, here was someone who not only was in the field that I wanted to get into, but gave me an epiphany that the type of AI I was invested in was wrong. You know, he showed me uh, through his own, um, you know, he, he was really a leader in the field, um, you know, very it was almost like working for a professor because even though he had been a businessman, he was very intellectual and had been through uh, very many levels of the uh, development of AI. Uh, so I was just bought into the idea that we have to help change the world towards machine learning in, in the 1980s. And that's, that's what we set out to do. Um, interestingly, as another tangent, he, his brand of machine learning was also contra to the primary mainstream brand of neural networks that most people are familiar with. So it was sort of a rebellion within a rebellion within a rebellion. Wow. So you've had this re uh, rebel uh, flavor to you, right? So how long did you stay there? What'd you do next? Uh, I stayed with them for uh, two or th two co-op stints. I graduated RPI a semester late because I was in the middle of this wonderful project. I just couldn't get away from uh, with this other company. Um, then I, I think I stayed with him for maybe three more years after that. Then myself and one other employee um, broke off to start a software firm selling uh, machine learning software with the blessings of the parent company. Um, and we had a startup. That was a lot of fun. We got learned about a lot of issues of business, of startup, of networking and other things. Um, and one of the nicest things about that was because we were selling software, we were getting involved with every possible industry that wanted to use machine learning and data mining. Mm -hmm. So instead of just one field like um, mm -hmm. aerospace, uh, we got to learn about every possible field and work with experts in those fields to help them implement AI. So that, that lasted for several years. Um, I eventually had a falling out with my partner 
and being the junior partner, you know, the vice president, the only solution to a falling out is to leave, which I did, um, and began a consulting firm to do to help groups um, implement advanced technology projects, help them manage the projects, and give them the vision on the best way to implement things. Um, no thought about going back to a IBM or a Fortune 500 or an established tech company. You just wanted to do your own thing? Yeah, I mean, I worked for IBM as a consultant as part of that. They were one of my customers actually working in um, submarine sonar applications. Wow. And that was a lot of fun. But I really enjoyed the variety of the number of different things I was working with. And um, the machine learning community was somewhat small at the time. So I had allies who were either bigger companies or also consultants or even just marketers um, who like to put together deals and then bring in people like me to actually get the jobs done. Uh, so it was quite an interesting ecosystem and I enjoyed the flexibility. I, you know, at the time being um, self-employed wasn't as common as it is now. So I enjoyed the, um, the being my own boss and having my, setting my own schedule, um, even though that often meant 15, 20 hour week or days. Um, but at least I was in control of it. Yeah. If at that time, being your own independent consultant, right, you've got to find new clients, you've got to do the actual work, you've got to you know, integrate in with other potential partners. I mean, what parts did you like? What parts did you not like? Um, my favorite aspect was always the concept stage of how to solve a problem. You know, you have a manufacturing company that needs to figure out how are they going to control the molten flow of steel, you know, for a process or some other company saying, how are we going to decide who's a good bet for insurance or how to set the insurance rates and what data is, is necessary. Um, my, you know, my, my own love for uh, data mining meant that I really enjoyed rolling up my sleeves and working on the feature extraction and other things, which is more of the technical aspects. Um, but I did mostly float to the management level where I was paying attention to the overall concept and bringing in teammates and partners and others uh, who were doing most of the implementation. Since the business development part didn't come naturally to you, that wasn't really what you studied. You liked the concept part. How did you manage the finding new client aspect of being an individual consultant? Um, it, I, I sort of got lucky because a lot of it came as needed. Um, the, you know, opportunities would show up. It was a very hot field at the time. Uh, as I said, there was uh, one or two people that I allied with who were not very technical at all, but were technical enough to market. And they would go out and basically uh, cold call, get leads with companies that needed services like mine. And then we jointly go and fly out and give presentations and write proposals. And then they would put together the proposal as a, you know, as part of something under their own umbrella. Um, the other thing I did, which I enjoyed quite a bit was giving presentations. So we um, go to a company and say, they're trying to get up to speed and learn what AI is all about. We give a two or three day seminar about AI and they'd all go away happy and thinking they know a lot, but they'd still often call when it's time to do a project, you know, a year later or six months later. 
Oh, cool. So you, you did this traditional, like give away a little sample of your expertise, show what you can do. And then those customers that were interested, uh, how long did you stay in that? Um, there's not a good definition of when I ended because um, one of the customers that I stumbled into was um, in the finance field, creating a hedge fund. Um, and in my work for them in developing the hedge fund, I found out that the money behind this fund uh, was a person that ran a foundation that like me had a million different interests. And over time he began saying, hey, can you help us with this? Can you, you know, I'll put you in charge in touch with these group we're working for and they'll hire you to do something or this um, shipping company will help, will hire you to do logistics with AI. So I, at one point, um, I was working with this marketing person and I went on five different trips in a row. We got several of those jobs and I kept turning them down. I said, okay, I'm glad we won that job, but I'm too busy. Right, right. And um, because it, when I looked at my business, I had like five or six projects going and they were all in one way or another related to this one foundation. Uh, so over time, I eventually stopped marketing and kept doing various things that were related to the foundation. Uh, they had a venture capital arm. So I got into doing venture capital and at times worked on the boards or helped to turn companies around after we invested in them. It seems like uh, a bit of a just, transition for you in some regard, right? Because you were doing more um, machine learning type of projects and now you're branching out even further. That's true. Once, once we got into venture capital, um, it became less and less frequent that the companies that we were helping to run or manage or turn around were applying sort of straightforward AI projects. It was much more of a management thing or general technology or visualizing how a technology might, might be marketed in the future as technology evolves. Um, so, you know, each of those was a neat, unique problem, but it was no longer a AI problem. Uh, so I began to love business. Yeah, did, did you embrace that or was that kind of thrust upon you or did you chase after it? You know, give me a sense of, you know, how your career kind of, was that an inflection point for you? Well, uh, as the opportunities arose, they seemed interesting, so I dove into them. And then at one point, I just noticed that that was most of what I was doing. So I then you know, became more aggressive about it and said, hey, let's, let me go and try sourcing some deals and finding what, I might, you know, what we might want to invest in. And in some cases, if they were more personal deals, they'd be too small for the foundation, but maybe the foundation could come at a later stage. Um, other times, I might recommend things the foundation gets involved with. Uh, or the venture capital group. So it was a, uh, it wasn't a transition where one day I said, I'm going to start doing it. It was something where I was taking opportunities and then eventually noticed where that brought me. So uh, is it fair to say you've never had a nine to five regular type of corporate job? <laughs> you've always had interesting projects that allured you to work on and, and pursue those interests. Yeah, that's completely true. I can't think. Maybe, maybe in high school, I uh, was a camp counselor or something. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll discount that's the high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Um, so you you moved along, and then uh, are you still you're still with that foundation, correct? I'm still with the foundation. I'm still very interested in financial markets, um, in technology, and in um, business. One of the areas that really um, 
excites me about the venture capital is the transitions that businesses go through uh, because I've lived through it, but then I've also advised through it, which is when a founder starts a business, they have certain skills and habits and other things, but there comes a point in time when those skills and habits aren't optimal for where the company needs to go to the next level. And how do they manage that transition? What are the interpersonal relationships? And also what is the best structure for taking a company to another level? And that's sort of the, um, the medium stage of venture capital that I enjoy the most. There's, you know, there's startup and there's the, this medium transition. And then there's sort of later stages when you're conquering the world. And it's that transition from a founder to a real company, basically, that really excites me. That's cool. So in some regard, you've let your passion interests chase various opportunities and pull you along in your career, as opposed to plotting out a specific, I want to start as an individual contributor and become a manager and director and one day a VP kind of a career progression, right? You've, you've chased after interesting technologies, interesting problems, interesting industries and dynamics. Is that yeah, that's very fair. There's there's always seems to be a plethora of people, projects, or other things that I can dive in and help. And as long as I pay attention, I can find ways to make them profitable and beneficial in my career. All right. uh, and if I don't, I'm still also helping someone. All right. How about um, if you go back to your early roots, you know, as uh, machine learning AI capabilities, right, or any of your math and science? Are there specific skills that you find you use? more, you know, somewhat frequently, you know, uh, the old adage is when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Um, (laughs) Given your engineering, math, computer science background, you know, are there specific instances where you said, you know, boy, I've used this particular skill over and over and over again? Yeah, the most important thing is what you take with you after you forget all the facts you learn, because it's really the understanding of how things fit together and how they work and what the implications are of taking one approach versus the other. There's always either a book that can help you actually do it or another person or people that you can hire or whatever, but really understanding the pros and cons of each approach and where your pitfalls will be and how to recognize when things are going well and going poorly are very important skills. Cool. And how about you you said you had a couple of minors and all that. Have you had opportunities to use some of the non-tech uh, skills that you've learned? Yeah, I think um, I think it's all been part of it holistically. You know, getting into AI, if you think about it, psychology plus computers makes a lot of sense for AI. Um, the organizational psychology helped with the venture capital and the way the companies can um, evolve as they grow. Um, philosophy, again, is, is part of where AI is going and understanding the, the long-term implications. So I really did, um, I think I made use of all of it, you know, because I didn't end up planning my majors. I ended up taking the courses I loved the most and then being well-qualified to do things I loved because I took the courses I loved. That's cool. Uh, so I'll, I'll call you mid-career. Um, uh, you know, as, Very generous. A, as a generous comment or, or not. Right. Um, so as you look at your career uh, backward and now start projecting as you are thinking about the, the future for yourself, what are the key takeaways? You know, what are the lessons that you've learned over the course of the last several years in your career that you're honing and you're going to take advantage of 
as you plan, you know, uh, the future for yourself? I think it's important when you're looking at what situations to get into and what positions to get into to think not just what you'll be doing, but what's the culture? What kind of um, what kind of group will you be part of? How do they manage themselves? How will you manage people? Um, you know, I believe very much in um, sort of bottom up management, where if you're supervising someone or managing someone or employing someone, there's sort of a 2080 rule where maybe 20% of your time is spent being their boss, but 80% of your time is spent working for them, getting rid of impediments, helping enabling them, helping them learn to be able to make the decisions they need to make. Um, and when I'm with organizations that have that culture through and through that empowers the people actually doing things to basically be their own leader, I really enjoy those cultures and I also feel they're more successful. Oh, cool. Um, I'm sure there've been many times where you've had too many opportunities what, what criteria do you typically lean on to try to help guide yourself on which opportunity to take? Um, I think when I'm lucky enough that choice A and choice B come at the same time, which doesn't always happen, you know, they don't always line up. So you're committed to one before the next one comes. But when I'm lucky enough that they do come together, I try to say, what's, where is this going to lead over time? You know, is it either going to lead to additional things that I'm going to enjoy doing, or will it give me skills or even credibility in ways that will let me get into other things and make, help me market myself. Um, or, you know, and then there's always, you know, am I doing something good for the world or for a company helping people? Um, so, but it, it, the, the choices are never A and B because they very rarely come at the same moment. Um, for me, it was always, I've got a choice. Am I going to yes or no that choice? And my stories about co-op program and the AI companies are examples of that. You know, I got the opportunity, I won the job and then I said yes or no, and then moved on to the next thing. And that's, that's been my experience. Cool. I, I run into a lot of young people, as I'm sure you do, who ask, you know, how do I break in, right? What, what advice do you have for somebody who's trying to figure out, you know, how to get into a new field or they have a little bit of expertise and they're not sure if the field's going to be right for them? Do you have any wisdom to share? Um, well, it's always hard. I would say to the extent possible, try to stand out by not going through normal channels. You know, there's job sites and you can put, click the button and submit your resume to them. But you could do what I did. You could find 10 companies that would be interesting to work at and look for contacts and then write 30 letters, three to each of those companies and say, hey, I love what you do. I'd love to be a part of you. Tell me where the opportunities are and have them write back. Because, you know, many people will throw those letters away, but the ones that do write back, you have a great in with them because they think of you as someone that really wants to be there. Oh, that's awesome. Paul, I really want to say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, uh, your ideas, the, the very unique perspectives that you have. And uh, like I said, I, I just admire the, the choices that you've made and the boldness that you've exhibited. So thanks so much for your time today. Uh, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. This has been a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Treble Podcast. If you're inspired by this story, want to network more effectively, and unlock new business and career opportunities, download Treble from the App Store today. You'll need to search for 
Treble Network, all one word. We're offering an exclusive deal for our podcast listeners to get a free premium membership with the promo code TreblePod. Again, use the code TreblePod to get a free premium membership on Treble today.